The children are dismissed to children's church. You know, I love how well the songs always work out for what the message is about. And today is week five in the wonder of God. Where we've been focusing on looking to the wonder that is to be found in God. We've spoken specifically of the attributes of God. And this is week five in the series as we spoke briefly or looked briefly to God's love, to God's sovereignty, a bit of his wisdom, God's holiness, And we spoke of how all these relate not only together and not only to God himself and to his wonder, to his glory, but we also spoke to how they relate to us. There are communicable attributes, ones which are communicated to us and through us, within us, and we can can be like God in, but only to an extent. Then there are non-communicable attributes, ones which, which only bring glory to how great and wonderful all-inspiring our God is. Well, another part of the wonder of God that we can look to is his word. God's word is a wonder of the wonder of God. Let me repeat that. God's word is a wonder of the wonder of God. And we're spending a couple weeks just looking to the word of God and how it is a special revelation and a great blessing, a great gift to mankind. This morning with the songs we sang about the word. And then Sue Hetke and Dennis Webster also spoke a reading saying these words, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I would delight in your statutes. Lord, your word is forever. It is, a firmly, it is firmly fixed in heaven. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. I will not forget your word. I put my hope in your word. I rise before dawn and cry out for help. I put my hope in your word. We went on and and they spoke more. We often forget the power and the great gift and the great wonder that is to be found in the word of God. Jeremiah 10.6 tells us, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Part of this mightiness, part of this greatness is the word. And we must yield to the word more. We must see the great blessing it is, and we must understand how it came to be. And by understanding how it came to be, By understanding the greatness, the wonder, the awe-inspiringness that is within the word, we also can better stand for the truthfulness that's to be found in the word of God. What a great blessing. What a great gift. God, in his divine nature, all of his great wonder has chosen to give us sinful humanity with his word. In a world filled with uncertainty, confusion, we have been greatly blessed with a source of divine truth and guidance, wisdom. Let's think about that for a moment. Divine truth, guidance, wisdom. The world is searching for all these things. Every day they search for these things. Hope is searched in these things. Last week, I had the great blessing at my daughter's final volleyball tournament to be asked to pray before the volleyball, t- before the first games due to some recent tragedies in Reedsburg uh, about a, of a student that was killed 
They had just asked, today's going to be a hard day. Being in this area, could you just pray for us? What a great blessing it was to pray for the team and for these families, for these individuals struggling. But what a great blessing it turned into in that now before every single game, the kids said, Patrick, can you pray with us? In fact, there was one game where it didn't happen and they came by, um, they came in for a timeout a little bit later and said, Patrick, you forgot to pray. Can we pray now? People are searching for God's wisdom. They're searching for that connection. They're searching for that hope. They know that their bodies, their souls are naturally yearning for these things. And God has revealed himself in these things. God reveals himself to us. What a blessing it is that the divine God of all creation, of all the universe, of everything created ever has chosen to reveal himself. We're speaking on special revelation. We're looking to the word of God as we're in week five of this series. And week four was just a little intro into this. We'll have a little bit of recap of. And as we go to that recap, I want to first look to point one, which is talking about divine revelation in general. Divine revelation, this revelation of God is the fuel for the fire of our worship. Have you ever thought about how great of a blessing and how the divine revelation of God fuels everything we do for him? Divine revelation can be characterized by two main things, general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is often seen in his creation. Special revelation is often seen in God speaking to and through specific individuals. And this is what we focus on today. What a great blessing we have in this. What a blessing we have in the word of God. Matt Redman spoke that quote, the revelation of God is the fuel for the fire of our, of our worship. We know of God only because of his revelation to mankind. We know not just about him, but we know of him. We know of his great attributes, of his character, and of his plan, all because he chooses to reveal himself to us. And because we know this, because we know him, the rightful act is for us to respond in worship. God in his divine self has revealed himself to the entirety of humanity, but all, not all choose to respond rightfully. God in his divine self revealed himself to sinful humanity. Think about that for a moment. Ponder that thought. What a thought. What a powerful thought that the divine God himself revealed himself to us. He didn't need to do that, but he chose to do that. Think how much of a blessing it is when people reveal themselves to, the, to you, when they come before you and they just say, I want to know you. I don't want to just be an acquaintance. Let's, le- let's meet for coffee. Let's meet for pizza. I like meeting for food and, and coffee. Can you tell? It's a blessing when people want to know you. God wants to know you. And how he gets to know, how we get to know him is how he's revealed himself to us through his word. And we needed God to do this. For because humans are finite and God is infinite, if they are to know God, if we are to know God, 
that, that knowledge must come from God himself. There is but one way for the finite humans to understand and know God, and that's by him revealing himself to us. This is what he does. This is what he does. He does it through creation, general revelation, and he does it through special revelation, his word. Let's look to his word today. Today, we're speaking specifically to the trustworthiness of the word of God, the wonder that it is that God, being the wonder that he is, has chosen to reveal himself to us through his word and through Jesus to his creation. Point number two, God's word was revealed to man, not by man, but by God. There's a specific thing we must see that it was revealed to man, but by God. To man, but by God. God has personally, he himself, given the word. Now, in giving the word, he supernaturally reveals himself to specific individuals, inspired individuals. And in doing so, he allows them to freely speak in their, with their character. He controls the narrative. He controls it to make sure that he is glorified, to make sure it all goes along with his will, with his plan, with his sovereignty. But he allows people to be seen for who they are also. Hence why you can read Luke and Matthew and John and get a total different idea or or a different writing style. We have men, different men, different authors who have wrote the Bible. But it's all through God's inspiration. Look at this. This is special revelation. Special revelation involves God's particular communications and manifestations of himself to particular persons at particular times. Communications and manifestations that are available now only by consultation of certain sacred writings. If you can tell, that's not how I generally speak. That is a quote from a theology book I have in my office. If you want to read more on it, you can. But I want to read that again because it's very bold, it's very powerful, it's very specific. Special revelation involves God's particular communications and manifestations of himself to particular persons at particular times. Communications and manifestations are available now only by consultations of certain sacred writings to be found in the Word and in what we know as the Bible. This is a difference between general revelation. General revelation of God can be seen by the many, by the general audience, through looking upon creation for one instance, where special revelation is specific to particular people of particular times through particular manifestations. That's a lot of particularness, but it's important to see this particular detail. I think I've drugged that as far as I can. We must see that God has revealed himself to specific people. And through that inspiration, we see it in his word. People often ask though, And as we transition a little bit more to see the truthfulness of God's word, people often ask, how can I know the Bible to be true? How can I know it to be trustworthy? How can I know that it truly deserves my attention and my commitment to live by? Or they may ask, why should I live by what the pages within the Bible tell me? For us as Christians, 
One's already set apart by God. One's already equipped by the Holy Spirit. One's already having that great helper, that comforter within us. One's with already having a certain understanding of the word. The answer should be quite simple. Why is God's word trustworthy? Why does it deserve our attention? Why should we preach it to the world? Why should we live by it? Because God spoke it to be. Because God inspired it. Because it's not simply mere human words. It's God's words. But to some, this is hard to understand. Mostly or especially to the unsaved But despite all this, we need to remember that it is trustworthy and worthy to be lived by and to preach. But sometimes we must remember that people of this world, they don't have the same understanding we have. They don't have the Holy Spirit living within them. And they must have some explanation from us. But as we do this, we go to the word. We remind them, why is it trustworthy? Number one, because it is of God. It's an interesting thought to ponder. As I wrote down, does one not trust other sources of which they go to simply because of human origins? People go to other sources every day. All the time they go to sources and they find it trustworthy. They find it truthful. They find it deserving of honor or respect. They find it deserving to be lived by. And yet, its words are written by human, human minds, human, human pens, human people. The one major reason we must remind people and ourselves of why we should be living according to the Bible, giving it our respect, our commitment, and glorifying God, is the fact that it's not wrote by finite man. It's wrote by our infinite Lord. His sovereignty, his wisdom come through through inspiration to man. Hebrews 4.12 says of the word that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. This sword is not sharp for use because of it coming from man is sharp for use because it comes from God. It is sharp and ready for action because it's living as the Holy Spirit applies it within our life and within the world and for God's glory and for his kingdom come. Any other wisdom of the world is not of God. I want to say that again, any other wisdom of the world is not of God. And yet so often we, we treat certain wisdoms of the world as if they are infinite, as if they are set in stone, as if they are from God. But we must first go back to God's word, the Bible, for it is the only true source of wisdom. In fact, Psalm 119, 105 says of it, of God's word, it is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Man's knowledge, man's wisdom, man's guidance when not being guided by God will often lead us astray. At first, we might be feeling great. We're, we're walking on the path we need to, but eventually we start leading astray. We need God's word. He is the one who created us. He's the one who created creation. He's the only one that truly knows 
the right plan for his creation. And we must go back to it. Proverbs 3, 7 says to be not wise in our own eyes. And then over and over and over and over again, we see in his word, look to God for knowledge. Look to God for wisdom. Look to God for strength. Look to God in his word. In fact, James 1, 5 tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. And then James 3, 17, many of you have these memorized. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Sincere. Why would we want to avoid God's wisdom? For within this wisdom, we find it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy, it's good fruits, and what a great gift we have in it. Romans 11.33 says, Of the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable are his ways. Why would we want to go away from God's word? Within it is found great wisdom and guidance for life. For all those willing to submit to him, we see the creator's guide to living righteous lives in him and his ways in the word. Within his revelation, within the word, within the Bible, through the spirit's guidance, we also see and gain an understanding of who he is. We also see his attributes. We also see a history of the world. We also, within his revelation through his word, see how to combat sin and Satan, who wishes to still kill and destroy anything or anyone seeking to fulfill their purpose in creation, which is to live for the glory of God. You see, Scripture was revealed to man by God, written through man, but for man's blessing and equipping and for God's glory. Let me say that again. For God's glory. You see, because of this, because of God's inspired word being for his ultimate glory and the equipping of his people, Satan would like nothing more than to bring uncertainty and confusion to our understanding of it. He wants to bring uncertainty and confusion within God's people. For if he causes one to question the truthfulness to be found in the word or the words within the Bible, he can begin to separate us from him. That is what Satan wants to do. He wants to separate us from God. He wants to take the glory from God because he wants the glory himself. And if Satan causes confusion and doubt to the truthfulness of God's word, then we may begin to doubt the truthfulness of the gospel. It's a slippery slope, my friends. We must yield to all of God's word. For the moment we start to doubt one part, you open up every part for debate and discussion and interpretation by finite minds who cannot understand the infiniteness, infinite God. I wrote down, it's like a boulder spiraling out of control down a mountainside and taking everything out in its path, not being able to be stopped until everything is destroyed 
If one doubts one part of the word, then the whole word of God may become up for debate in our own minds. And then destroyed, leading to our separation from God as we're not looking to who truly gives us the life, the hope, the Christ. Again, Satan wants this. We need to see the truthfulness of the word of God and recognize that the number one reason it is true is because it's not wrote through man's inspiration alone, but through God's. It is God-breathed, as 2 Timothy 3.16 proclaims, and because it is God-breathed and the wisdom and knowledge within comes from him, it should be rightly applied to all of our lives. Number three, point number three, looking more to the trustworthiness of God's word, we see that the Bible supports divine revelation. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 again says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is but just one additional reference which shows us that the Bible itself tells us about how it comes from God. Another one comes from 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21, which says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here's another. God's word is trustworthy and true, for God's word itself speaks of its divine inspiration and revelation. It's self-proclaimed from the pages within. Let's speak to this more. Why is the Bible trustworthy? Why can we see it's true? Well, one is because it's not just one author. It's not just one book which speaks to its divine revelation, but multiple scriptures from multiple authors God has inspired to write these things. And of these multiple authors, we can see that they too believed in it not coming from their own minds as they use words like God said. Thus saith the Lord, depending on the translation you're using. God said the words within them, within these words, God said. The words God said or statements like it are used almost 4,000 times. Almost 4,000 times, 3,800 times approximately, we find the authors within saying, God said. Not just one author, but many. This supports that it's not just from themselves. It is undeniable that these numerous authors of the Bible believe the revelation of their words came from beyond. The Bible supports the Bible's revelation being by God. But what are we to do with this? Next week, we're going to be looking to dive into that 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 scripture a bit deeper into application. We're also going to look to some more of the trustworthiness of God's word. We can see that it's trustworthy just by looking to the thousands, thousands of manuscripts which have been found in comparison. Think about this, in comparison to the works of Shakespeare, Nobody doubts the authorship of Shakespeare's acts, yet only a handful of the original manuscripts have been found. 
We have found thousands of manuscripts to the word of God. We can also apply this to the, to the Greek ancient texts, which only hundreds have been found. We'll look to this more next week. But for point four today, as we work to close, I want to look to this. Disciples of Christ must value and live by the word. We know it's trustworthy. We know it's true. It's been divinely revealed to us. And we as believers have the Holy Spirit within us to make sure that we understand the words within. So as we work to close, I'm speaking specifically to us Christians, those proclaiming and and proclaiming that we are committed to Christ. I ask ourselves, can we do the same as these Christians before us? When we think of the fact that almost 4,000 times these authors gave credit where credit was due, almost 4,000 times they say, God said. Can we go into society and the world and say, God said. This is why I live as I do. This is why I give glory not to myself, but to something greater to God. This is why I know the Bible to be true. Because God said, God inspired these men to write these words. It's not the power of man within these words. It's the power of God. Can we do the same as these Christians before us? Can we see the truth and the power in God's revealed word? Can we see that it is divinely inspired, not capable of being inspired by no mere man alone, but only by God? Can we see and recognize the power, the hope, the knowledge, the grace, the love to be seen in believing in a real and divine God who reveals himself to his people? God loves us so much that he desires to be personally involved in our lives. As I stated at the beginning of this message, God knows you and he wants you to know him. But how do we expect to truly know him to the fullness of what he wants us to if we're not diving in, digging into his word and obeying to it, yielding it as truth? Within God's word, we see not just him, but we see an account of history. We see an account of his promises. We see an account of instructions for righteous living. Within his word, we see his redemptive plan. And we must proclaim of this to the world around us. He also gave us Jesus, who would be the fulfillment of the word, of the prophecies, of the promises. The word came to life and lived and died victoriously to show us God's love. We must speak of these things. Accept Jesus as Lord and proclaim Jesus as Lord. And as I close, I just want to bring attention back to that second Timothy 316. The next week I preach, which won't be next week, Lee McMiniman's preaching next week, is I'll be in Ohio throwing a 50th wedding anniversary for my parents. But the next week I preach after that, we're going to dig in more to 2 Timothy 3.16. But what I want to focus on as we close is this one part. Within those words, it says, knowing this first, oh, sorry, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's God breathed. 
knowing this, we must take it seriously. I want to pause there because that's not how we always live and that's not what we see the world living by. So often the world sees God's word as laughable, as archaic ways of living. And I wrote down those words, but it's not for me. I've heard society, I've heard people out there saying that very thing. It's archaic ways of living. But we know it's the right way of living. But does the way you live always show that you take his word seriously? Does our faith show that we truly trust in his word and in his plan and in his promises? 2 Timothy 3.16 saying it is God-breathed means we should be taking his word more seriously. We are disciples of Christ, equipped with understanding through his Holy Spirit. And when we recognize that it is God-breathed, we can understand that it is trustworthy, true, and full of wisdom to apply to our life, but also to proclaim to the world that's living in darkness. James 1.22 exhorts us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. So as we study the word, we must be doers of the word, not just hearers only. May it be a beacon. May it be a light to the hope to be found through God and him alone. We must read the word of God, but do not just read the word. Live according to the word. His word must become your words and your life. May all those around you hear the word of God and see his revelation through your actions your words, in your life. And as they look to you, may it illuminate him. But as we do this, we must pray. Always pray. Because we're still sinful-natured individuals who take our eyes off of the word. We take our eyes off of God. We get led astray daily. And we know it. Pray for his help in understanding Pray for his help to be led back to his word. Pray for his help as he continues to sanctify us to make him us more like Christ. And in all of this, pray for his glory. Pray for the lost people of the world to be found in him. Pray for revival and pray for your part in it as he uses you to bring it about. We must live as if his word matters. It is God-breathed. And it is a wonder of the wonder of God. Think about that this week. Are you living as if the word truly matters? Are you living as if it truly is a wonder of God? Because we don't give it enough attention. If we truly believed it's such a wonder, we'd be diving into it a lot more. And I'm speaking to myself too, who spends hours every week proclaiming preparing these messages, we must dive into the word and treat it like it truly does matter. For God has spoken it to be through his people. Let's pray and we'll close in one final song. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you then for giving us Jesus to be the fulfillment of your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit which has come through Jesus to us through our commitment to him as Lord and Savior of our life. We thank you for being reconciled to you through him and the peace which has been restored. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. 
Lord, we thank you that unlike the people of the world around us, we no longer live in darkness, but we live in the light. May the light of Christ be seen through us. May we light up the darkness around us. May we proclaim the word to be true because God said. And as we do these things, may we illuminate the gospel of Christ for a dying world that's living in darkness and burden and despair. May we show them there's a better way to live. As we do this, may we not just show this based upon our life, but showing them the lives of all those who have committed their lives to you in the word. May we show them the wisdom to be found within, that through the wonder which is to be found in the wonder of God in the word, they can get to know you, your attributes and your glory. They can get to know the history of the world, the true history, and they can see your redemptive plan and how it's not based upon our work, but the work of Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the word. May you receive the glory as we sing to you now. May you receive the praise and the honor that is due for you. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Please stand and let's worship with this final song, Build My Life.
statements, I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. If we are to fully receive the benefits of God specially revealing himself through his word to us, we must live according to his word and as if his word is truly him speaking to us. It's his word and we must live to it with obedience and in faith. James 1.22 again says, to be doers of the word and not hearing, hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Pastor Chuck preaches that all the time to the teens. That's kind of their life verse within the youth ministry here. And what a great word, not just for the teens, for the youth ministry, but for us all. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For, I wrote down this quote, the transformational power of God's word is unleashed when we surrender ourselves to its authority and trust in the promise it holds. Trust in the promise it holds. Sometimes that means praying to God and saying, God, I don't understand what's going on, and I don't know where to take the next step, but I'm going to trust in you, for you have the authority. Your word has authority over my life, and it tells me to just keep trusting in it and in you and the promises that will come to be. Keep trusting God. Keep trusting in his word. It is true. And within it is power. 
Thank you. You're dismissed. Thank you.